You're listening to the Stag Sports Network Podcast, only on FairfieldStags.com. Hey everybody, welcome to this brand new episode of the Stag Sports Rat Podcast here on the Stag Sports Network. J.J. Duke here, Drew Kingsley is across the desk from me, Drew. This is our playoff push episode. We are now in the thick of it for our core fall sports teams. We have a lot to get to as well because not only action happening with the teams that we have been covering a bit more frequently, but we've got some action happening on the golf course in the water. Well, technically kind of on top of the water. Um, we've got um, our cross-country teams are now in their championship push as well. Tennis. I mean, this is this is the time to get after it, right? Yeah, this is uh, this is one of my favorite times of year. We're going to have a championship to talk about, a tournament to talk about, mm. hopefully a championship to Knocking talk about. On the desk. Uh, every week for the next few weeks, and then we'll be into basketball and to swimming in the heart of their schedule, and then we'll do it all over again. And we should actually mention that, yes, this was actually at the end of our uh, rundown, but we'll just do it right now. Basketball, as Drew said, that is going to be getting underway. Actually, there will have been something that's happened before the next time that this show airs, because the next time that we air this show will be the first full week of November. So the men's team will have played their exhibition to benefit Team Legrand. That's going to be Fairfield at Rutgers on October the 30th at the Rack. And then men's basketball opens down at Wake Forest. The women's team, the first game in the Carly Tebow Dudanis era, will be getting underway as Fairfield faces off against Brown. That will also be on Monday, November 7th. There will be basketball-specific podcasts as we will be returning a brand-new season of the Open Court Podcast with Jay Young. And also, yes, you've been asking for it. There will be a brand-new women's basketball podcast that we'll have here on the Stag Sports Network. So stay tuned for that. Those will be dropping very, very soon. But onto the fields of play here in the fall, and we have to start with the team that has just continued to do what they do and finding ways to win matches, that is Dave Barrett's women's soccer team. Drew, it's kind of nice going into the last week of the season knowing that you already have a bye in the quarters and you're playing the semis. Yeah, it's uh, to to be in second place, tied for first place. I'm just speaking of the tiebreaker mm. with Quinnipiac, but to be tied for first place at the top of the table there, you get to go in. You certainly uh, have plenty of reasons to want to uh, – grab three points in this upcoming match against Iona, but to talking big picture, yeah, you're already in playoff mode. You can really focus on not just going to the playoffs, but going straight to the semifinals on Thursday, November 3rd. Yeah, that you can, and since the last time that we chatted with you all here in the Stag Sports Rep podcast, Fairfield, um, they're back on the road, yep, back again, because they won a couple more games away from home, knocking off St. Peter's by two goals to one with basically soccer's version of a buzzer beater. Because we don't have golden goal overtime in the regular season, but we almost got one where L. Scott netted the winner with just 11 seconds left against St. Peter's to knock off what was a very upstart Peacocks team and looking kind of upset-minded. Um, Fairfield then went on the road all the way out to Buffalo. That women's team, by the way, logging some conference miles this season away to the Mount. You always have to go up to Buffalo at least once a year. They went to Canisius, won by two goals to one. Maddie Mills, we'll get to her in a second, um, should have been on SportsCenter Top 10. It was a busy Saturday. I don't personally care. If you score from 45 <laughs> yards out off of a free kick and it's not one of those, oh, it just happened to be one of the – no, she meant it. 
The keeper was just off of her line enough and put it into the back of the net from near halfway. Stags got another result. And then just this past Saturday, in a battle of second versus third, Fairfield against Niagara, a 3-2 victory with Reagan Clarman getting Fairfield the go-ahead goal to make it 2-1 right before halftime after Fairfield uh, got in the lead with an own goal from Niagara before the Purple Eagles tied it. Clarman scores, Niagara equalized uh, early on in the second half, and then well, Maddie Mills, right place, right time, gets yet another tally, and Fairfield won this one 3-2, Drew. I mean, we talk a lot about the Maddies, Maddie T, Maddie M, scary duo in a very scary front line. Yeah, this team, they just they score goals. Some games they score a lot of goals. Some, some games they only score one, but it's when you need it. And they've just been pressuring teams and putting the ball, you know, shot on goal, never a bad play. Putting, putting the ball on target, challenging teams to make plays, and it's, it's working very well for them. And this is a team that, as we've seen, can beat anybody. They played a great 3-2 match with Quinnipiac, and were on the short side of that, then played another great 3-2 showdown against Niagara, who's another team right up there with the top, and this time came away with the victory. I mean, the scariest thing about this front line is Maddie Mills, 6 goals, 6 assists. L. Scott, 5 goals, 7 assists. Maddie Theriel, 6 goals, 5 assists. Plus, you throw in the likes of Hannah Vogt, who's starting in the number 9 at 2 goals, 3 assists. That is just a great return on rate. And speaking of uh, Reagan and Maddie Mills, we spoke with the pair after that result. So here's my chat with Reagan Clarman and Maddie Mills after Fairfield's 3-2 win over Niagara. Whenever it's Fairfield versus Niagara, it always seems that something crazy happens. And Reagan Klarman, we start with you because you played Niagara last year. Both games, that penalty at the end in the quarterfinal, it always seems like there's some Fairfield magic that happens. But today was just a battle out there. Tell us your perspective of it. Uh, yeah, always when we play Niagara, we always know it's going to be um, a tough game. They're a very good side, but we know we just need to play our game, do what we do best, and we know we can get a result. And that's exactly what we did today. We played to the last minute, and we scored, thanks to Maddie Mills. You know, speaking of Maddie Mills, we'll get to her in a second, but she unlocked you on a great ball over the top. That came right after Niagara tied it in the yeah. first half, and it almost seemed like that touch around the keeper took you too wide, but composure on toast to finish that one off. <laughs> Yeah, definitely when I saw Maddie, we've been focusing on getting my movement forward, so I definitely, like, took off. And, yeah, when I when I touched it a little wide, I did think that was going to go a little wide, not really going the goal, but it's all right. We got, we got the result, and that was a great ball by Maddie. Maddie, I seem to remember at the beginning of the year we chatted, and you said, watch out for this strike force because they are dangerous. Yes. And speaking of dangerous – you're dangerous right now. Goals coming from everywhere, getting the winner. That was a wild sequence, by the way, um, in the 80th minute where ball pinged over, L's header cleared off the line, tap in. But how'd you see that one and get to the space? I think um, when we get the ball forward to Maddie, usually special things happen. Um, she was able to get a ball in. L got the ball back across, and I was kind of thinking, just go for the goal. We want to finish this. We want to get ahead before the game's over. So that's kind of what was going through my head. I was just thinking, get forward, see what see what happens. And seeing that match out as well, because we had Katie Wright come up with a couple of big saves. And then on the front line, I mean... We're talking about the Maddie to Maddie combo of Theriel to Mills. I mean, how much fun has it been playing with all these forwards? 
I mean, playing with the entire team has been incredible. We talked about Katie, our back line has been incredible, midfield has been incredible. So I think um, it's a really fun feeling knowing when we get the ball forward that special things usually happen. And it's really fun to be able to just get into the box and see if you can finish what they are able to create. So um, that's kind of been the, the goal all season. And for both of you guys, now knowing that there's going to be one more guaranteed home game, a playoff game under the lights in November, that's what we all dream of, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, this last home game versus Iona is extremely important. We definitely needed this win today to get our momentum going, but we know, we all know that we have to win on Wednesday because that'll just prepare us for the playoffs and we want to play on this field. It's just so exciting that we've gotten to the point in this season where we can play games like this, um, and it's just all the more special that we get to be at home. Well, we appreciate the pair of them chatting with us. Fairfield Women's Soccer will conclude the regular season at home on Wednesday uh, that would be uh, just basically probably when this podcast will be coming out, but that's October 26th against 7 p.m. against Iona. Currently, the max standings looking like Quinnipiac, and this is in the final week or round nine of 10, if you will. Uh, Quinnipiac on 24 points, Fairfield on 24 as well. If Quinnipiac wins, then Fairfield can still win and get a share of the regular season title, but they would be the number two seed due to the head to head. But if Quinnipiac drop points against the Mount, Fairfield could get the regular season title. The rest of the field is Niagara, Canisius, Ryder. They are in Iona, the Mount, St. Peter's, and Maris can all get a spot in the tournament. I'm also just looking at this as well, Drew, and guess who's got the best RPI in MAC women's soccer? And it's not Quinnipiac. <laughs> Fairfield at 59. This just dropped. That is a big number. Yeah, that's a that is a testament to not only how well they've done in the league, and also some credit to the league for mm. doing their part in boosting that RPI, but also a challenging non-conference schedule and performing well in that schedule. I mean, that is uh, that might be the highest that we've seen Fairfield's RPI for women's soccer at this point in the season since probably 2008, which is, of course, the last time that Fairfield won the league. So perhaps we'll see Magic strike twice. Um, sticking on teams that have qualified for their postseason tournament, and that would be Fairfield Field Hockey. As the Stags once again will be heading into the NEC Conference Tournament after what was a, a weekend that had a lot of drama and a bit of emotions to it as well. Fairfield hosted Wagner this past Friday. Wagner, the team that were looking very strong coming in. They were then 4-0 in the league. A 2-1 decision, what was really a and this is me speaking, is calling those games a very well-played game that was a contest that felt like it was a conference semifinal or final. For Fairfield's perspective, it just didn't go the way that they wanted to. Credit Wagner, they stuck in, had an opportunity laid on, scored off of a penalty corner, which negated uh, Francis Mirabli's equalizer late on in the third quarter. But Fairfield, sometimes you have to have that road warrior mentality and find a way. Stags did that on Sunday the 23rd, down 2 nothing early to LIU. Didn't deter them. Nora Ama with a hat trick as the grad student is finding ways to lead this team by example. A couple of goals off corners and then a goal off of a penalty stroke in the fourth. Job done. Obviously, you want to be the one seed. That doesn't always happen to be the case. But the good news is for Fairfield Field Hockey is they're going to be playing in November. Yeah, this was, I think I said this a couple weeks ago as well, the most competitive we've seen the NEC since Fairfield joined the league or since the MAC became the NEC, I suppose. Yep. 
in this particular sport. But and yeah, it was uh, it it was really five very good teams fighting for a position. LIU is probably the best team we've ever seen not even make the tournament. Yes. So for Fairfield to come in and just do what they had to do and really end up backs against the wall on Sunday against LIU and the comeback, go down 2-0, keep their heads high, keep fighting, keep working, and the comeback, that's just they're, – they're going to go into this tournament with as much confidence as anybody, and I have a feeling you can pretty much throw the seeds out the window once they all get to Staten Island. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. I mean, the goal is to give yourself a chance to win a championship and play in the NCAA tournament. That's exactly what Fairfield have done because they're in, and actually the field is set. Um, seeding still perhaps slightly to be determined. We know, though, that Fairfield will be the number three seed unless St. Francis were to – um, have some. Yeah, there are crazy things that could happen. Fairfield could be the four seed. It's probably going to be the three. It's just the question of will it be Wagner or Ryder that Fairfield will face in the semifinals. Again, stay tuned. FairfieldStags.com and uh, Fairfield do have two more home games before the regular season wraps up. That will be on Friday, October the twenty eighth. Last league game against Stonehill, and then Sunday the thirtieth against LaSalle. There is one team that's going to be competing in a MAC championship, though. Uh, before all that, that will be cross country, as they will be the first teams that will uh, look to get some points in the MAC uh, Commissioner's Cup, as the cross country championships will be held actually at the same place that Fairfield Cross Country started their season at. That will be at the uh, course over at the Crossings of Colony, which is just in the uh, greater capital region. Uh, which was the greater Albany region, I should say. Uh, that will be on Saturday, October the 29th. Um, Fairfield will be looking once again to see Courtney Kitchen um, kind of continue on her strong season as she posted her career best 5K time at the course earlier on the season. And senior Robert Dillon on the men's side, who will be uh, the likely pace setter for the men. So, Drew, that kind of finishes up the teams that are making the playoff push right now. Hopefully we will be having some talks with champions on our next episode um, in a few weeks' time. But now these are teams that will be going forward that are still going to be playing uh, once we return back. Uh, men's soccer being one of those teams. And you and I were joking. It seems like every game that Carl Reese's group is a one-goal decider. We actually had to amend that right before we started because, in fact, they have one game or played one game that has been decided by more than one goals. It's still not a tie, but it's crazy how soccer works sometimes in sports in general, right? Fairfield win the opener in league play against Mount by one goal to none. Lose three straight games all by one goals. Win three straight games, but in doing so, all three of those by shutout and did get the 2-0 result in their last home game against Canisius. And the beauty of it, Drew, right now, is that Fairfield are in just about the position that they would feel like they would be in right in the mix for a bye to the semis. Yeah, sometimes you have to remind yourself, I'm, I'm going to slip into coach speak here, that it's a long season. And if you looked at one and three Fairfield and then still looked at the road ahead, they were fine. They had to keep doing what they were doing, keep working hard, and some of those one zero two one results are going to flip the other way. You know, it's it, you score two, three goals at most in most soccer matches. You're not talking about needing to execute 10-11 chances. You need to just keep playing, keep working hard. Um, the defense, I do think, tightened up some things mm. a bit, figured some things out as, as that very new unit, as far as playing together, uh, got more experience doing that. But And then, yeah, they've put some things together. They're playing confident. They're playing hard. And 
Yeah, they're right in position to finish very high on that table. I mean, you look at the, where the standings are as we speak, and this is on the morning of the 24th of October. Manhattan lead the league at 17 points. Quinnipiac are second in 14, but then you have Iona at 13 points, Fairfield and Siena at 12, Niagara at 11, the Mount at 10, Marist, the defending champions in the league, are 7th and are actually on the outside looking in, but it just shows how tight this league is right now, and this league will go to the last day. And for Fairfield, that's a big check mark because they're home on the last day of the season. Yeah, they, they love to play at home. They love to be on Lessing. Um, and, you know, our fans always turn out for those games. And, it's again, it's just, they're, they're where they want to be. I'm looking forward to it. I think this team uh, shook off some some – early uh, down results. They never really let that affect them, and now they're in position to do something special with the rest of this season. Yeah, that they will. So their remaining games look like this. Away to Iona on Wednesday the 26th. That's going to be a huge contest because the winner of that game will probably have not only just the tiebreaker, but they'll separate themselves slightly from the pack. Then away to Marist on the 29th before that home finale on the 2nd of November. Um Fairfield, as we mentioned, they hosted Canisius on the 15th, a 2-0 victory. And before the Stags went on the road up to Niagara a week later, I chatted with Cormac Pike after the conclusion of that game, which saw Fairfield get goals from Alex Marin and once again, Raz Amir. But the clean sheet, um, Claxon was certainly in full effect that day. And here's what Cormac had to say after that. Cormac, after two straight clean sheets at home, two matches that you guys had to get three points from this has to feel good especially you've been in on the assist now the last couple games oh it feels fantastic like the team of um we've we fell short of a couple games by one goal games away from home and we knew this three game stretch of home games was very important and uh you know the hard work that we paid off and it's finally coming through and we, we you know we're delighted to get six points for the last two games Absolutely, and you hit a key word there, the hard work. It seems like this group, not only they fight for each other, but there's just a lot of fight on the field right now. I mean, it's scrappy at times, but at the same time, it's effective. So what has it been like, especially during periods where things might have not been going your way as results-wise, to now have the one nils, the two nils at home go the way that you want to? I think we're starting to build an identity for the team now. You know, we we were very unfortunate that we lost a few players for injuries that really messed up, you know, the system we were going to play in the formation. But the guys that have come in have stepped up fantastically. And, uh, you know, we've we've proved to ourselves that every time we work hard, we're as good as any other team in the MAC. Now, obviously, when this will be going out, you guys will be on that three-match road trip. So difficult of course to try and get points on the road but what's what has to be the mentality right now because it, it's different it's not like you're playing at Lessing Field where Fairfield men's soccer always seem to do well but you need points on the road to get a playoff berth how much does experience now rely to try and get those to get yourself over the finish line yeah it's it's a few tough fixtures away it's always tough going away to Marist Iona uh, Niagara is obviously a good trip up there um but we've got a very experienced squad. Many of the boys have been here or played in different colleges, so then we know what we have to do away from home. And like I said earlier, we're building that identity that hopefully we're going to keep it both Lessing at home and then take it away on the road. You know, funny thing about Fairfield, actually, um, because we talked about those road games coming up, Niagara, Iona, and Marist, um, Fairfield have actually had a great run going up to Buffalo. It's not the, the drive that you want to take, but it's a drive that you have to take. Fairfield, in games... In Buffalo, so that's either against Niagara or Canisius, the Stags have won seven straight games up there, and they've won just in general six straight 
at Niagara, you have to look about a decade ago to the last time Fairfield have come away from Lewiston losing. That's a wild statistic. You know, maybe as you and I get older, we just think about how we would feel after an eight-hour bus ride and not how these guys feel after an eight-hour bus ride. But, yeah, to uh, to be able to go up there in the middle of, you know, you you might miss some classes or things like that on the way up, um, to be able to shake that off and focus and come away with uh, with wins with that kind of regularity is something special. Yeah, that it is. And, uh, again, we'll look forward to seeing the guys back in action on the, the lights at Lessing one more time at least in the regular season on November the 2nd at 7 against Siena. Uh, one more core fall sports team that we usually have the chance to cover and talk a lot of good things about, and it is volleyball. There is irony, though, that we talk about this team because the last time we spoke, which was, again, about two weeks ago, we were talking about how Fairfield was rolling. Seven wins. No sets conceded. And, of course, the night that the podcast released, they, they lose in five sets to Maris. So we will take the um, the hat on that one that we spoke it into existence and we have learned our lesson. However, we can only report the things that we're talking about. And, Drew, great to see them bounce back since that loss to Maris with wins over St. Peter's and Ryder on the road, Niagara and Canisius this past weekend, it's not easy to do the double-double. That's go up to Buffalo, win two, come back, host those Western New York teams, win two, and job done. Yeah, they uh, after that Maris loss, they made the trip, the uh, the New Jersey trip, St. Peter's and Ryder. Um, Coach Crest would say they didn't play their best, but they came away with a couple sweeps and then came back home to host Niagara and Canisius. I thought they looked great against Niagara. Had a little bit of a slip in the second set, but if you take the three sets they won, they they hit over 400 in two of them. They were really things were clicking, and then Canisius, you know, a little a uh, little tougher going of it. They dropped a couple sets and then went down six one in that fifth, which was I don't know that I've ever seen a comeback like that before, being down six one in the fifth, but. You know, as I said to Coach Cress after the match, I get Niagara, K.J. Johnson just had a gorgeous stat line if you really look at it. But the time she might have looked most like our All-American was in that fifth set against Canisius where she, once the team went down, ran off five kills with no errors in the final part of that match and just helped will that team to victory along with a big block from Maya Walker. And uh, Allie Elliott got in on one. Sarah Daniels had some blocks and that final kill. Ella Gardner doing what she does all over the net offensively and defensively. And, yeah, this this league is tough. It's very tough this year. I think as we're seeing the second time through the league, a lot of the teams that Fairfield swept are noticeably better this second time around. And that's that's not a knock on Fairfield. Fairfield's also playing at a high level. They may have just been a little better on in their progression in September, and now that we're in October rolling into November – um, it's it's those other teams catching up and getting into their midseason, going into postseason form. Yeah, I think that's the perfect way of saying it. Now for Fairfield, it's can you raise your already high level to another level because you don't want to peak too early. You want to be peaking starting around really next week and then playing your best volleyball in the month of November. So it'll be fascinating to watch how they go about their businesses. The Stags will be home on Wednesday uh, the 26th, also at 7 p.m. against Siena. That's first for second in the league. As Siena, well, with three losses, they just knocked off Iona, so they're going to be right there in the mix. And then road games to Quinnipiac, Iona, Manhattan before hosting Ryder and St. Peter's on the 12th and 13th before we head down to Disney for the tournament. Moving onwards, um, 
coming up in just a moment, we'll have a chat with uh, sophomore Colin Summers of the men's golf team because that's where we're going to be starting uh, the rest of our wraparound campus. Men's golf, they just wrapped up their season, actually, the day before we are speaking, and they've put together a really nice finish and actually a really nice season, Drew, um, including that co-champion of the Sacred Heart tournament we'll hear from colin a moment and you could actually hear in his voice that he wasn't really too happy about sharing a title with a team (laughs) but it's not so much about what that result looks like now it's what you're aiming for in april and for fairfield i think their progression has been really nice through the season they've had a lot of individual standout performances yeah it's uh and i'm a broken record for those of you that heard a couple weeks ago you know the fall is about so many different things um, when your championship isn't for another six months. And uh, just to see these guys and the women's team as well just putting together you know, what they've clearly been working on, what they've clearly been focusing on all summer when they've been home coming back to campus and just showing improvement across the board. You know, It's been really exciting. Golf usually plays at what we would call an odd time in our business. Everybody else is Saturday, Sunday, or Friday, Saturday, and then these guys are out there on Monday morning or Tuesday morning. We actually, just this morning with the women, we're calling up the live leaderboard to check in on things. It's just a really exciting time to be following Fairfield Golf. Yeah, it's some great progression, and uh, we'll get to that on the men's side right now because um, Colin won that Sacred Heart event. It was a two-day 36-hole competition where he finished at six under which is incredible that's a very challenging course up there great river but he did a sensational job jumping out to a big lead and then holding on down the stretch uh the men shared the honors on the day with the host school sacred heart then fairfield traveled out to the lehigh invitational very challenging golf course as well finished in seventh and killian mcginley who also put in a very strong fall season uh wrapped up his year but there's semester i should say by uh finishing tied for six at two over but as i mentioned before here's my conversation with colin summers who was the medalist of the sacred heart invitational colin you and i are just talking right before we recorded about how that sacred heart event was kind of a grind for you guys weather was obviously in play as well but i mean what a heck of a two-day performance putting together a six under and you're, you're flying out of the gate so what happened what was, what was working for you that day yeah, so it was a two-day tournament, so those are always pretty tough because if you play well the first round, you really don't know what you're going to have the second round. So, I mean, you know, to shoot 67 the first round was a good confidence boost because <clears throat> early in the fall season I'd, I was playing well, you know, didn't really uh, put together, like, good tournaments, but I would put together good rounds. So, you know, to start off with a first round, 67 was nice. And then, uh, yeah, you know, 71 following up. Playing with the kid I was leading by one shot was um, it was pretty nerve wracking the entire day, but you know got it done. So yeah, it's one of those interesting things, right? And we've had this conversation recently with Sydney Nethercott, who also won an event. It's not one of those where you can walk around a course and you have leaderboards that are up everywhere, and you kind of have an idea where you are, not only yourself but your team. So what were you kind of knowing where you were standing it was it, did you know if anyone was making a rush and also at the same time your team was basically neck and neck with sacred heart for that entire day too yeah so to start off with that question um i definitely did know what marcus was at the entire day just because i kind of you know i wasn't looking at the leaderboard or anything but i was definitely paying attention to the scores mm-hmm. he was he was making and 
I asked, I think I asked my coach probably midway through the round. I just asked like, how's the team doing? Like, is there any, is there any individuals that are making a run? Cause there were a couple of guys that were like two or three shots back and you never know if someone could shoot four or five, six under sure. there. Um, if you get the putter hot, um, but you know, I had faith in my teammates the entire week that they'd put up some good scores and unfortunately we came out with the tie as a team, but you never want to see that, but Hey, it was a good finish. No, it is. I mean, you look at the season as a whole for the men's side, I mean, a lot of really good performances in there. And I mean, how much do you take away from that? I know when we explained this in previous episodes that the golf season, it's kind of fascinating where you're not competing for, you know, Mac championships that comes in the spring season, but you can take away a lot from the fall season. So where do you think you guys are right now and setting that foundation for what could be a good spring? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, the first, the first weekend, first round of the first tournament was definitely not what we wanted to do. I think we put up a not great score as a team, but then we followed it up with a, I think we shot maybe 10 or 11 under as a team to finish under par for the tournament, maybe come in sixth or seventh. Um, so I mean, it's, again, it's one of those things where if you put two, three rounds together as a team, I mean, we can shoot a really good number for a tournament and, you know that's what we're building up for Max. Yeah. Um, it's all a preparation for the ca- the conference championship, and uh, you know we're all looking forward to that, and hopefully we can you know pull it out there. What's the dynamic of this team like? Because I know that there's some new faces in there, but there's a lot of you know returning faces that have been there, done that over the last couple of years, and have helped this team really grow. And they're not just an outsider, especially if we're talking about a MAC tournament. They're not trying to push for a third place finish. You guys are in it now. So where where is kind of that chemistry coming together? And do you think that this group may be a different one from years past and get through the finish line? Yeah. So we have. Eight, so we have nine total kids on the team. We have eight returning people, and then we have a fifth year who's Pat McCarthy's older brother, Mike. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, yeah, they're they're my best friends. You know, we travel, we play together every single day. We travel every weekend. We're staying in hotel rooms, so you know, we spend a lot of time together. And yeah, like I have <clears throat> friends outside of golf that I would consider my best friends as well. But you know, like I love these guys to death and would do anything for them so you know playing alongside them every day in tournaments and stuff it's just like i look forward to it every day that's awesome uh yeah i think our coach definitely puts an emphasis on the chemistry um and we're all we all have similar goals in life like i'm pretty sure we're, we're all like business majors so we all help each other out with homework and stuff outside of golf and you know, we all have different backgrounds in golf through junior golf and growing up. And, you know, we all help each other with our games and everyone's better at some part of the game than anyone else. So, you know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of like, uh, yeah, different characters, in, yeah, different yeah. characters and information that, you know, spreads out throughout the team. So it's definitely good. No, it's great. And you guys definitely have to rely on each other now for the next couple of months, because I know, and for those that are maybe not sure of how the golf season works, is now you guys are basically on a break in terms of competition. You won't play again until late February, early March, somewhere in there. So what do these next few months look like? I know you guys are going to be grinding over in the golf studio. You can't really get out in the co- course much more, maybe fingers crossed a couple of weeks of good weather. But what are these next few months going to be looking like? Yeah, so 
next couple of weeks, hopefully we can get up maybe like two, three, maybe four times a week, depending on the weather. Um, but yeah, hitting the studio a lot. Hopefully be grinding in the gym a lot. I know me and Zach are put a lot of emphasis on the gym, so uh, I think that's important, you know, stay healthy and fit throughout the winter because, you know, it can get tough. You're inside a lot, eating a lot of food, watching a lot of movies, doing a lot of homework. So um, I feel like that's that goes for every athlete. Um, you just got to put an emphasis on, you know, what you put in your body, what time you go to bed, how much you're working out. So I think Zach and I, hopefully the captains can play into this, but I think we'll have try to have the team work out at least like three, four times a week. It's awesome. Well, hey, best of luck and looking forward to seeing what you guys do in the spring. Awesome. Thank you. So once again, yeah, congratulations to Colin on uh, the win, which is the second medalist that we've had to talk about in this fall season because on the women's side, Sydney Nethercott won – the Hartford event, and she and the rest of the team have played very solidly down the stretch in the fall season. As Drew actually mentioned, the women's side are playing in an event right now, that same Lehigh event, but on just different days. Um, for further information on how they finish, just go to fairfieldstags.com. But we can talk about the two other events that they played in uh, recently. Fairfield went to the Quinnipiac Invitational, 54-hole event across two days, finished 7th out of 11 teams, one stroke out of six. Um Sydney finished sixth in that competition that the Sacred Heart Fall event. The women finished third, but had pretty much everybody on the team put in a very good shift. Addie Douglas was the runner-up in the event, a senior, someone that's really had a nice season, carrying over from a very solid summer season as well, and a grad student, Julia Town, tied for six. Sydney Nethercott, though, we have to talk about her in some capacity because she seems to be doing big things every week. Had a hole-in-one, you know, just a, a casual hole-in-one in the competition. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm just going to – I'll just knock it in from here. Yeah. Hey, why not? <laughs> I, I haven't had one. It's very challenging to do so. I think she jokes saying it took me 20-some-odd – near 20 years to do it. So, <laughs> <laughs> congratulations, sir. That's awesome. A um, couple other teams to get to. Fairfield Rowing Big Day uh, up in Cambridge, Mass. At the head of the Charles event. And the men's team captured a bronze in the club four uh the crew of brady sturgeon john godwin ryan borsey michael hamilton and the coxswain thomas flynn finished the course in 16 minutes and 52.01 seconds missed out on the silver by less than three seconds women's team also had entries in the club four and eight event um it's a sport that again similar to the golf team similar to tennis you're building throughout the season but a prestigious event Whenever you're racing on the Charles, it's not an easy competition, and it's great to have early success from uh, both sides, especially on the men. Yeah, they've uh, they've been racing on the Charles River for about as long as they've been racing in the United States, and uh, for the guys to go up there and have the best finish in the history of Fairfield men's rowing, uh, just a great thing, a great showing for those guys. Congratulations to them. Um, yeah, and uh, and again, it's another, it's a it's a spring sport, excuse me, competing in the fall and just working things out and you can see the improvements and I'm looking forward to talking about them in the spring when they're racing for more championships. Absolutely. And another team that we'll talk a bit more about in the spring, but I have to give a shout out to, as we talked about in our last show, is our men's tennis two doubles teams that competed in the ITA Super Regionals up at Harvard. Um, you know, we said that it's an opportunity for those guys to face off against great competition and continue not only build up their match fitness, but get them ready to face those high level 
caliber of teams and opponents on the single side um, in these springs. So Kyogor, uh, Tony Sumer, Kian Shah, and Jonathan Blanco, those are the two teams. Both bowed out in the round of 16 in that competition to teams from Harvard and Princeton. But as I said, a great opportunity to get great match play as they will now head into their break before returning in the spring. Drew, that was a lot that we discussed, and hopefully when we next come back on in two weeks' time, it will be the same amount of stuff, because that means we'll be talking to champion championship-winning teams and um, discussing NCAs. That's always the goal, right? Yeah, this might have been, I think I texted you last night, one of our most positive episodes that didn't involve a trophy at the end. Yeah. So I would love in two weeks' time to be talking about a trophy or progressing toward a trophy in some more tangible ways. Those are the things that we always love to see. So thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Stag Sports Wrap. We'll be back in early November as our next show. So for Drew, I'm JJ signing off. And until next time, go Stags. Thank you for listening to the Stag Sports Network podcast. For past and future podcasts, visit fairfieldstags.com.